think of it, an English village. It conjures up so much in the American traveler's imagination. Thatched roof villages frozen in time, half-timbered cottages, fields lined with hedgerows, a tea room where all the good gossip happens, and a cozy pub where friends gather each evening. We're joined now by two English guides to see if this reality of the village life of England still exists today. We're joined by Mark Seymour, who's from southwest England and lived in Bath, one of the most charming cities anywhere in Europe, and Lorraine Deneen, who lives in the Cotswolds near the town of Winchcombe. Lorraine and Mark, thanks for being with us. Good to be here. So as I was reading through that idealistic, sort of clichetic English village sort of image, is that real? Can we find that in our travels these days? Where would you go to find that English village charm? It is still there, particularly in places like the Cotswolds or in southwest England. So you can still find that pub. You can still find that community spirit. You can still find all those quirky things. And the thatched roofs and the half-timbered cottages haven't gone away. They're still there. One of the uh, most charming things about village life still to be found on a Sunday, uh, you drive through any part of the southwest of England, parts of southern England, is the thwack of a cricket bat on a cricket ball uh, on the on the village green. The thwack still, of a, still of a cricket bat. Cricket bat, yes, I that, love that thwack of willow on, on, on leather. Oh, yeah. Still here on a Sunday, yeah. Now, there's a pride that goes with these villages. I, there's even a, isn't there a best-kept village competition? There certainly is, yeah. There's the best-kept village competition, which still runs. And a lot of villages pride themselves on winning it year after year in their regions. So Mark was talking about the cricket as well. After the cricket, of course, the ladies will have provided the tea for the the guys who are playing the cricket. That still goes on. The village pub is still often the centre of activity in each village. I swear, those pubs, it's like they're right out of Casting Central, and they're yeah. just your basic pub. It's, it's still the heart of village life. Um, the English boys like to drink. Of course, there are mm-hmm. reasons for that. We're familiar with those. But um, the, the buzz of activity that happens in a pub is wonderful. If there's a charitable event, if there's a football match, uh, they're advertised first and foremost in the local pub. Word of mouth spreads throughout a village very quickly there. General knowledge quiz competitions take place in pubs. Uh, there are entire leagues that take place. And things place in like things. dominoes. Don't forget dominoes as well as darts. There are dominoes le- and cribbage. Cribbage. Leagues. Yes. Leagues. And it, it doesn't. There's no dark, foreboding American tavern kind of feeling to it. It's like for all the generations. It's the dog is there. It's you just pull up cozy. a stool and you talk to the person closest to you, and you have a friend for life. Yeah, yeah, you can you can take your dog in as well most of the time, which is really good. And in a lot of villages, particularly in the recession pubs were closing and there are quite a few villages where people got together clubbed together to buy the village pub and open it as like a cooperative or to keep a pub in the village because if a tiny village loses its pub that's that's bad news yeah so there's local customs and you if you're traveling you can be lucky uh let's talk about a few of those i I think lorraine you were talking about the horn dance or yeah i come from the county of staffordshire and lived in a village called abbots bromley And uh, every year on the first Monday in September, guys in the village are designated to go and get the deer antlers that hang in the church. The deer antlers have been carbon dated and they're over a thousand years old. And they've been used every year on the first Monday in September. And they dance around the village, dressed up as strange things, carrying these antlers with them. And at every pub they stop and they do like a bit of a Morris dance. You know what Morris dance is? They do one of those. And the ceremony goes on all day. 
and at the end of the day, they take the antlers back to the church, hang them back up on the church wall. That one's unique to Abbots Bromley. Right. Mark probably knows about m- more of that. I mean, there's the cheese rolling in Gloucestershire. In Gloucestershire, yes, so What is the yes. cheese rolling? It's marvellous. This is a very steep hill outside of a, a village. It's actually become popular now. Several villages do it. Um, but it started in Gloucestershire, a very steep hill. They produce a beautiful uh, red Gloucestershire cheese, um, and they come in these cheese wheels, which I'm sure you're familiar with, a big block of cir- oh, yeah. circular block of cheese. Yeah. And it became popular to chase a wheel of cheese down this hill. So you roll the cheese down, and then 50, 60 villagers will chase it down the hill. The person to get the cheese wins the cheese. It's now come to the point where the hundreds or if not thousands of people from all over the country descend on this village to chase the Chasing cheese. Chasing a wheel of cheese down the hill? And you have to have paramedics and the hospital ambulances waiting for those broken-boned victims at the bottom oh, who chase it so spectacle. quickly they fall down wow. the hill. Well, the local authorities tried to stop it. In fact, they went as far as getting the police in to try and stop it because it's a really dangerous thing to do. Now, that's something I've never encountered in all of my days, and that's in the Cotswolds. What about just markets? Do, does every village have a, a weekly market? Is that I come from a part of the world where um, markets are still institutional. Being rural, they were originally cattle markets, but something that's developed in, uh, in the west of England, southwest of England, in Devon in particular, around Dartmoor, are what we call the pannier markets. Anybody that speaks French will understand that means basket markets. And they're indoor markets um, every week, sometimes twice a week. Uh, the ladies of the village communities and the rural communities would bring their homespun goods into the village. So this is to give cottage industries like cottage a, industry, a, yes, a, a little uh, avenue to sell things. Yes, and it's been happening for a couple of hundred years and they uh, had the domain inside. Are these cottage industries still existing? Are there people making uh, sideline livings, knitting and carving and putting I stuff together? I think more so than perhaps any time in the last 50, 60 years. I think it's becoming a... a See, tourism is big in many of these areas now, so they can sell homespun clothing, for instance. I know a couple of ladies in the Clavelli area who have spinning wheels and are spinning wool um, and selling it in the pannier markets to the locals. A lot of it involves cake making as well. Every week, homemade cakes are available. Nice. And the Women's Institute, certainly in my part of the world, they're the ones who hold the markets every week. And you get there early because you want the best cakes. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking English villages with Mark Seymour and Lorraine Deneen. You know, all over Europe, it's the villages that a lot of people are thinking are the, the charming, quaint aspect of that culture. But it's, it's a challenge for villages to stay viable these days because young people want to go to the big city where there's a chance for more lively opportunities and better work, better paying work and so on. On the other hand, people can these days uh, telecommute and they suppose they could live almost anywhere and do their work online. I know in Europe... Some countries are actually subsidizing the continued viability of these villages. Doesn't France have a program, SOS or something, where they will help anybody who wants to run the little general store? They'll actually make it cheaper for them to do that? Yes, in fact, uh, not tax-free, but you don't have to be licensed to run a bakery in France, for instance, in a village. As long as it's in a village, you don't have to have And that's a, a law that the French have decided to offer in order to give people who want to stay in the villages a little extra help. Yes, yes, that's right. Just uh, like the pub is instrumental in English village life, the bakery is in French village life. Yeah. So the, the it's just a right. natural inclination for young people to want to go to the big city where the action is and to get uh, a good job. What's the impact of this dynamic on the English countryside lately? One of the things that's that's happened more recently, particularly in the Cotswolds, because it's quite a rich area, the Cotswolds, because it's close to London or closer to London. People move out of London to go and live in the Cotswolds and people want to bring their families up in the country. So more and more people are now moving into the villages with young kids 
just to get away from the city. And you're right, they can work from home. They don't have to be in the office right. every day. Or there are bullet trains and expressways that take you into yeah. the big city so you can actually commute four days a week or whatever into the big city and still have a country lifestyle. It's, it's created a bit of a problem in the southwest of England, further west than the Cotswolds, um, but rail connections now have enabled people who are selling their very expensive, very valuable properties in, in the big cities such as London, and they're able to buy two or three cottages elsewhere in England. That's but amazing. They, they move down to the west country and they buy a cottage, forces the house prices up considerably, mm-hmm. dramatically, which means that those farming lads and, and lasses who are on minimum wage can't afford to stay in the same community. They're being forced out. So that's a, a new struggle that village life is dealing with in Britain. It is a new struggle. One of the big problems, again, in villages is the age of the population, older and older people. People are retiring into the villages. Mm. So the age of the population is much higher than maybe in the towns. One thing the government has done more recently is subsidise public transport, putting buses on into villages to get people from the villages into the towns to do their shopping, to visit their doctor, go to the hospitals, the libraries. And that Necessary sort of because a lot of these residents probably aren't comfortable driving anymore. That's right. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking English villages with Mark Seymour and Lorraine Deneen. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Robert's calling from Franklin in Tennessee. Robert, thanks for the call. Hello, Rick. Nice to hear your voice. Yeah, do you have a comment or a question for Mark or Lorraine about English village life? We do, actually. We're going to be traveling in England for about two weeks with some friends, renting a car and just exploring where our nose goes. Would love tips about anywhere in the Cotswolds. We have a place rented in Stowe on the Wald, I think, if I'm somewhere outside of in the country. But would love tips on anything. Thanks, Robert. And you've, I've got you covered in Stowe. That's my favorite home base. But Lorraine lives in a little village nearby there. And Lorraine, if, if you had uh, some friends staying in Stowe with a car and wanted to follow their nose, uh, where would you send them? Okay. Stowe on the Wald's a great base because it's fairly central to some great small towns. Chipping Camden is a town you really have to visit, Robert, which is not far from Stowe. Chipping Camden has got the longest medieval street in Britain, maybe Europe, I'm not sure, but that's full of ancient buildings and it's got a fantastic church. You might not have heard about the wool churches in the Cotswolds. Even tiny villages have magnificent churches, most of which are open at all times. And these are paid for by wool money, by big wool merchants. So a little humble town will have this incredible wool cathedral out of oversized, and it goes back to that rich uh, sheep heritage. (laughs) Yeah, uh, 14th 14th century England in particular was a very, very wealthy place, and it was all based on sheep, basically. It was all based on wool. So the merchants built these fantastic churches. Every little village you go to in the Cotswolds, just pull up outside the church, it's probably going to be open. Somebody's responsible mm-hmm. for opening up the church every day. And you'll see a list of pastors that goes back 500 years nonstop yeah. on the wall. Yeah, right. No kidding. No, it's true. It's true, I love true, that. true. So go to Chipping Camden. Go to Broadway. Broadway is another fantastic little Cotswold town not far from Stowe. Go to Morton in Marsh. It's just down the road from Stowe on the Wold. Another beautiful little Cotswold town full of yellow Cotswold stone buildings, Mm. some of them thatched. You know, one thing I would also offer, Robert, is to make a point to take a hike. It's so easy when you have a car to stay on the roads, but every time I just commit two or three hours to a walk, 
You could take a tax. Yeah. You could take a taxi from Stowe to wherever somebody tells you to go, and then get the local map, and and then get off the roads and walk for a couple hours back to Stowe. That way, you get to see amazing uh, country farm life from the back door. Well, if I visit too many pubs, my wife might make me do that anyway. So that might be a two for one there. You got pubs every time you take a walk, Mark. <laughs> if you go a little bit further west from the Cotswolds, you find yourself up on the, uh, the the Wiltshire and Salisbury Downs. One last question: Any comments or suggestions on North Wales? I know you like Conway a lot. Any comments about that area? Mark, do you have a comment about that? I do. I love Conway. I go up there frequently, both touring and personally. I have friends up there. Um, but if you like walking, which it sounds like you do, uh, Conway is on the edge of uh, northern Snowdonia, one of our, our national parks. Mountainous area, not high mountains, but it's very easy to navigate. You can walk very easily. Well-marked trails all over Snowdonia. Mm. Uh, a beautiful place to go and visit. Beautiful place. It's uh, adjacent to the sea, so you have a combination of the sea and, and plenty land. of characteristic pubs for Robert. Yeah, there you go. Life is good. good. Life is good. (laughs) Have fun, Robert. Thanks for the call. Take care. Thank you. And Janice is calling from Sagamore Hills in Ohio. Janice, thanks for your call. Uh, Thank you, Rick. Um, I'm sort of calling to complain because I just got back from Europe, and I drove for a week in the U.K., and it was a terrible experience. If I'd only known, I never would have done it. I would have taken a bus tour. But those small towns... And those roundabouts, Bath, Salisbury, the Cotswolds. I just gave up on the Cotswolds. It was streets were too narrow. It was very difficult. I just wanted to escape to the Scottish Highlands, which I did. But I wanted to go to York and Durham, and I just said, no, I don't want to deal with roundabouts. At that point, it was my last day. And I wish somebody had said that. I, I guess I never heard anyone say not to try it. And I've driven all over the world, so I thought I could do it. And I hit a t- I hit a curb at 50 miles an hour and blew a tire. Because, oh no! And, and, it, and it was a tiny car. I got a tiny car on purpose. But the roads are so narrow, and they have no berms. They just have curbs. Right. You know, when you get out there, the the roads are are narrow and the hedges are high, uh, especially down in the southwest. Yes. Oh, in uh, in Devonshire, I'm I very know, glad you I, didn't get down there. I, the, uh, the I had a great trip, but, you know, that was the only negative part of my one-month trip. And I did drive in Belgium, too, on the right side, so that helped make up for it. But I love the U.K., I love London, and I'd love to go back to those little towns, but not driving. I was just going to say, Janice, I'm very glad you didn't get down to Devon driving if, if you felt that way. It can be difficult, can't it, in another country in a strange vehicle? But the lanes are sunk there. I was um, down in Devon, and I was so thankful my tour guide was, we were using his car, because these are 1.2-lane roads, and if there's two-way traffic. If you're lucky, yes. And then every yes. 100 yards, there's a pullout. Yes. And yeah. uh, you just, and the, the hedges are taller than the car. It's lush, and it is uh, a little bit nerve-wracking. And one thing I learned on my last trip to England, Janice, is the bus connections between cities are very inexpensive and very relaxing. And I just, I I took the bus from Oxford to Cambridge, and it was a delightful experience. And it only cost me six or eight pounds or something like that. Next time. Yeah, next time. All right. Well, good luck. And remember, uh, if if you're almost in a near head-on collision in England, uh, you're probably on the wrong side of the road. (laughs) Good luck, Janice.
This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Mark Seymour and Lorraine Deneen. Mark and Lorraine, that is a good comment that Janice made about just how stressful it can be for an American driving in Britain. You know, some people uh, adjust to it better than others. Um, I find it's always a good idea to pick up the car uh, outside of London so you you can learn in the countryside. Uh, You know, there's a hundred different places you can pick up your car, so you might as well pick it up in a small town. And then it can be stressful. Any, Any tips for drivers? Um, I think we should do more to warn people, particularly from the States, that our roads are very narrow and that we have a population of 65 million people in a very small piece of land. So there's a lot more traffic. Roads are very narrow. But, you know, you just need a bit of practice Mm -hmm. on some quieter bits Mm -hmm. and you're away, really. I would just add to that. Uh, I lived in the States for a couple of years. I'm very used to driving large vehicles, SUVs and the the like. Um, When visiting Britain, if you're going to uh, visit the countryside, the rural areas, opt for a small car. Don't Mm -hmm. choose a large car rental. Opt for a small car. Our guides to the villages of the English countryside on Travel with Rick Steves are Lorraine Deneen and Mark Seymour. They offer a little more advice to help you get comfortable driving on the narrow country roads of England in a short extra to this week's show. It's posted at ricksteves.com slash radio. Let's uh, finish off our discussion on English village life by having each of you just share one favorite village experience that would inspire us all to make sure we get away from the big cities and not only get to a little village, but find a way to connect with that community. Mark, do you have an idea? Yeah, I do. My favourite village, and one close to me, is a fishing village called Clavelli. Um, it's very famous. It is a, a UNESCO part of a UNESCO World Heritage Site. But uh, there are no cars allowed in the village. It's one street that goes from the top of a cliff all the way down to a fishing port and a quayside or quayside. And this bottom. is way in the south of England on the west coast. This near... is southwest of England on North Devon, the northern side of Dartmoor. Right. Um, okay. Backs onto the North Atlantic. A very, very beautiful walk. And what I would highly recommend anybody in that part of the world to do is to park the car at the top, walk all the way down through uh, up along the name of the street, up along, all the way down to the quayside at the bottom. It's daunting. When you look down that street, you think, I have to walk back up there make the effort to get down there. And this is Cleverly, C-L-O-V-E. Yes, it's spelled Cleverly, but we pronounce it Clavelly, C-L-O-V-E-L-L-Y. At the bottom, there's one of the oldest fishing quaysides in the world, made of pebbles the size of a car. Nice. And Lorraine? Um, Well, being from the Cotswolds, I have to mention two Cotswold villages, Lower Slaughter and Upper Slaughter. And if you just walk between the two you'll see everything that's wonderful about village life in the Cotswolds. You can walk across a ford in the stream. You can watch kids playing in the stream, the village kids playing in the stream. When you get to Upper Slaughter, just get yourself an elderflower and gooseberry ice cream at the shop there. Lorraine and Mark, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, I'll see you for tea in Upper Slaughter. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Rick. Hey, I'm Rick Steves. In my latest book, For the Love of Europe, I share highlights of a lifetime of exploring Europe, my favorite experiences, sights, and encounters in 100 essays. Order your copy today at ricksteves.com.